Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. It is a blessing to be among you in the church of St. Mary. Yani, I was telling Abuna what was inside, I, yani, I don't deserve to be standing here, especially with the presence of the fathers and the presence of such a beautiful congregation, such a beautiful group of youth who love the church so much. Blessed may God give us all uh, an ear and uh, his grace so that we may benefit tonight from the words of the Holy Spirit. Um, tonight, like Abuna said, we're going to talk about goodness. And um, actually, Abuna, the definition of goodness to define goodness is actually one of the hardest things to do, if you think about it. To define good, what is good, or goodness, is very subjective. We'll talk about it in a few minutes, but many church fathers try to define goodness. And we'll talk about it in a few minutes, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But fathers like St. Irenaeus, St. Clement of Alexandria, Tertullian, they struggled, or not struggled, but they, 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 they thought they had, that goodness was not as so simple as we may think it may be. Goodness is very subjective. Abuna Yuzi, uh, I was telling, was telling you how I like the Jets, he likes the Giants. But I could say the Jets are a good football team. Abuna told me they are a bad football team. It's subjective. It's all about how it relates to us. And so we'll talk about it tonight. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I wanted to mention this definition of goodness is not so simple. It's not as simple as we may think. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, all of them are amazing. Yani, all of them, if we, like you are, we are studying this, this uh, Nahda schedule that one was telling me. It's all of them, we learn a lot from them. But goodness, or the fruit of goodness, for me, has a certain reflection of God. In our prayers, what do we always say? We ask and entreat of your goodness. We call him our good Savior. In the gospel, we hear them calling him good teacher. In the, God, in the epistle of James, it says every good and perfect gift is from above. And of course, we know the expression, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. But if you ask somebody else, they'll tell you what? God is not good. You ask somebody that's going through suffering, going through hardship, going through any difficulty in their life, they'll say, God is not good. What, what good God would do this and that? St. Cyril of Alexandria says this about the goodness of God. In the nature that transcends all, God is alone is found to be good by nature. That is unchangeably good. He's saying that God in him is only good. Why is this important? A lot of times, I don't, again, I don't want to get too far into this because it's not the topic tonight, but when someone goes through uh, anything or someone is, goes through a difficulty or hardship, say, God is what? Punishing me. We'll talk about it in a second. But God is punishing me. He's doing this evil to me. But God is not capable of evil. He is all good. And this is what St. Cyril is saying. God is all good. And in this goodness, it is no more true than in, in what St. Athanasius wrote in, on Incarnation. If you read the book on the Incarnation, which I'm sure many of you did, he talks about what we call the divine dilemma. He says what? That God, he could not, one of the things he says, he says he could not let man perish into nothing. When he created man, he couldn't just wipe the world clean and start over. This would be against his goodness, against his nature. He couldn't just wipe the world, press the reset button, and start over. And he couldn't let Adam and Eve in creation just perish and start again. This is against his goodness. It's against his nature. 
He couldn't let man remain corrupt. Again, against his nature. He had to fix it because he's all good. So nothing we can do is it can change God's goodness. No amount of evil we do, no amount of sinning we do. Yes, we hurt God, and yes, we grieve the Holy Spirit, and yes, sometimes we offend God, but we cannot change His nature. We cannot change God's goodness. I'm going to explain why I'm, I'm, I'm telling you all this about God's goodness in a minute. When God punishes us, or when we think God punishes us, it's not punishment. It is what we call chastisement. There's a big difference between punishment and chastisement. In Hebrews 12, it says, for, the, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Punishment is a penalty. You do X, you will receive Y. This is a punishment. You go to, God forbid, you do a crime, you go to court, you're sentenced. This is it. This is your, you did this crime, you deserve this sentence. This is a punishment. Chastisement is based on love, similar to how we discipline our children. Many of us, when we discipline our children and our children are crying, do we feel good about it? Sometimes maybe. But no, you, you feel bad. Your kid is crying in front of you. He's not getting his candy. He's not watching on his iPad, whatever the case may be. Maybe you feel a little bit bad because you love the child. But you know what? You have to teach him. You have to chastise him in order for him to benefit. In fact, if you, were, if you didn't, you would be a bad parent. But if we have to learn how to teach, and this is, this, this is good for us. So chastisement is meant to teach us. It is a, motive, a, a way to care for somebody. All this is to help us understand what it means to be good. Because we have to first look at the goodness of God in order to understand how to be good. We cannot be good unless it is based on the godly goodness or the goodness of God. Our definition of goodness, I told you a few minutes ago, that maybe you, you say God is good all the time. But someone else, maybe among us, will say, no, God is not good all the time. Remember that, that time that I, I, I lost a loved one? That is not God's, that, how can God be good? Or that time I, I, I had this financial hardship, how can God be good when I'm going through such difficult times? The definition of good, like I said earlier, is very difficult. And it's very difficult to define for everybody. And that's why tonight we have to have a basis of the definition of goodness in order to proceed forth. Because I can't sit up here and tell you how to be good or how to live a life of goodness unless I tell you what goodness means and what God intends goodness to mean. Things are good or evil in relation to its effect on human beings or individuals. You cannot talk about God in isolation or the goodness of God in isolation from everything else. You must, everybody, every one of us, our nature and our normal human reaction will be what? To judge goodness based on what? How it affects us. Like I said earlier, we will, we will say God is good when he gives me the job I want. He, I will say God is good when I get into the school I want to go to. But once I face rejection, once I face difficulty, then God is not good anymore. And like I said, many of the church fathers wrestled with this idea of divine goodness and tried to define it. And St. Irenaeus, in his work against the heresies, he talked about goodness as it relates to judgment. Saying, in God himself is the perfect balance of judgment and mercy. And this is goodness. God is perfect in the way he deals with us. Because he knows how to be just with, uh, with us, but also how to be merciful with us. Pope Shenouda of blessed memory, 
he talks about the virtue of goodness, he says this, it is an increase of tenderness, gentleness, meekness, and kindness, which is distant from harshness and cruelty. Micah the prophet, in the book of Micah of the Old Testament, he says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is what Micah the prophet tells you, this is what is good. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk, to walk humbly. So again, I'm trying to give you an idea of goodness. And I want us all to make sure that we understand this idea that God is all good. I don't want any of us to leave the church tonight to think that at times God is good and at times is, God is bad. God is good all the time. I know it's a, it's a catchphrase and we love to say God is good all the time and you respond all the time. God is good and it's fun and we joke and we laugh. But it has meaning. God is good all the time. And we need to believe this. We need to believe in the goodness of God. Because the goodness of God impacts our goodness. And we'll talk about it. If God is not good all the time, then we cannot be good all the time. We are not better than God. Okay, so we need to accept that God is good all the time. So today let us try to outline how to bear the fruit of goodness. Again, using the goodness of God as our definition. The goodness that is to walk justly, to do justly, to, have, to love mercy, to walk humbly, to be kind, to be merciful, to be meek, to be gentle. All these things are encompassed in God's goodness. First, goodness must be rooted in love. Our goodness must be rooted in love. Like we said a few minutes ago, just because God is good does not mean we will face, not face hardships. Yes, actually the opposite is true. Because He is good, it means we will face discipline. We will face hardship. Kids, the, the youth, your parents would be bad parents if they didn't discipline you. If they weren't mean to you. Not mean in the sense that like, mean, mean, but you know what I mean. Uh, mean in the sense that what? They have to teach you right from wrong. They, might, they cannot get you this or buy you that or do that for you because it would be not good. We'll talk about it in a minute. C.S. Lewis, in his book, the problem, the, the problem of Pain, he says what? Sometimes we want God to be like our grandfather. God to be like our grandfather, not like our father. What is the difference? Any grandfather in the room will raise your hand and tell you what? My job as Giddu is to what? Give candy, buy toys, and dalla. I spoil the father's job is to what? To teach and to discipline. Sometimes we want God to be like Giddu. God, all I want is the, the candy. I want the toys. I want the good stuff. I don't want to be taught. I don't want to be disciplined. I want, I want Dala. I want to be spoiled by you, God. But this is not how God operates. And this is why we must perceive punishment is actually an act of love. Or discipline or chastisement is an act of love from God. The same is true with how we are with others. And this is the point I'm trying to make here. We're trying to connect the goodness of God to our goodness. If we want to be good to one another, it must be rooted in love. And sometimes our goodness, the goodness of our hearts, may actually be perceived as evil from other people. And this is why it's important to understand divine goodness or the good, godly goodness. I'll give you a concrete example of something that maybe all of us or some of us have encountered. The past year, June of 2022, we, we know that the, the Supreme Court abolished Roe v. Wade. And so the, the, the debate about abortion rights raged on. Very, very tough. People, two sides of the, the 
coin, they fought about it. And so someone from a Christian may say, I stand with the right of the, the, the baby to live. And this is our stance. Of course, it's nuanced a little bit. I'm not, I, I, that's not the topic for tonight. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. But we say, no, we stand that we are in agreement with the baby. We're pro-life. And someone may say, because you are pro-life, you are evil. You are evil because you wish damage or harm to the mother. And you wish, you, how can you say that when X, Y, and Z is happening? The simple answer is, we are rooted in the goodness of God. God has to be where our goodness comes from. And so, we may think we're doing the right thing, we're doing good, and we are doing good. But it can be perceived as evil. And it can be perceived as intolerant. We can be perceived as being exclusive. We can be perceived as being racist, bigoted, whatever the case may be. But we have to understand, sometimes our goodness will be in conflict with those around us. And this is okay. You have to be good by God's definition of goodness. You have to be good by God's definition of goodness. And again, we can all, I'm sure if we walked, talked amongst each other, many of us will find tens and hundreds of examples of how what we think is good is actually evil and vice versa. If, we're, if we are good only without it being rooted in love, actually it is not goodness, it can be selfishness. What does that mean? Perhaps you don't want to be good, you want to be popular. You want, you, don't want, you want to be a friend with everybody. And we want everyone to think we are the best. Again, I like to compare our, how God deals with us with how we deal with our kids because it's a fatherly, motherly relationship to our children. My kids, when I give them ice cream, you know what they tell me? Daddy, you are the best. You are such a good father. Right? You are the best. You gave me ice cream. If I went to any responsible person or any responsible parent or anybody that knows anything about health, I'll tell them, all I feed my kids is candy, ice cream, and gum. That's it. That's their diet. You think they will tell me I'm a good father or a bad father? I'm a, good fa I'm a bad father, I would hope. I'm a bad father. You ask my kids, I'm a good father. I'm very good because I'm giving them what they want. Goodness has to remain true goodness, regardless of what the other person is thinking, regardless if the other person thinks I'm good or not. Because my goodness is not based on what you think, it's based on what God thinks. I care to please God, I care to be good in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of the people around me. Organically, naturally, God's goodness will, will always win over those around us, and we'll talk about it in a minute. When we are filled with goodness, when we are filled with the goodness of God, the love of God, then this goodness manifests itself to others naturally. In Matthew 12, 24, it says, a good man out of the what? The good treasure. A good, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Again, a good man out of what? The good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. A lot of times, I always say this to my, my, uh, my congregation, we start from the outside in. We try to become good from the outside, but the inside is not good. This is what Jesus spoke about, right? He says, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Why? Because you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside is dirty. The tomb, the whitewashed tomb is beautiful. On the outside, the inside, it's what? Dead. Dead bones. He tells us what? Start from the inside out. When you work on the inside, you try to, to develop and nurture and cultivate the fruit of goodness, then naturally, the goodness 
comes out. And this is just a natural effect. The more you cultivate goodness, the more you cultivate any fruit of the spirit, the more you nurture it, the more good or the more the fruit becomes manifest itself naturally. If our heart is good, our works will be good. Because inside the heart is full of good and that treasure overflows. Okay, so that's the first point. That our goodness must be rooted in love. And our goodness has to come from God. And it has to be, He has to be the source of our goodness. That's number one. Number two, goodness must always overcome evil. Goodness must always overcome evil. Your goodness must remain true in the face of evil. The famous verse St. Paul teaches us in Romans, he says what? Do not become, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. Just because someone is doing evil does not give us a license to do evil in return. This is anti-Christian. And one of the, the basic tenets of Christianity, the ba basic things of us as Christians is to what? Turn the other cheek. Someone curses you, what do you do? You pay for them. Someone does evil to you, you bless them. This is goodness. Someone does, stops you in the face, you turn the other cheek. The world is full of evil. I hate to say this. The world is full of evil. If you walk around, you walk around anywhere. The world is full of evil. People doing evil things to one another. People killing one another, abusing one another, torturing one another. If we, the Orthodox Christians, the ones that come to Nahda every night, the ones that read the scripture, the ones that are in the churches and teaching our kids, if we are not doing good, no one will do good. If we are not a beacon of goodness, that people look to us and they say, this is a good person, then no one will be good. We have, we are the light of the world. And we are the goodness in the world. So we're not like everybody else. We're not like everybody else who does, who, who when someone curses them, they curse back. When someone does evil to them, they do evil back. But what does St. Paul tell us? Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. And being good is a way to witness for God. It's a way to glorify God. It's how people will see God through you. One of the Roman fathers, the Roman Catholic Church, his name is St. Gregory the Great, not our St. Gregory, but one from the Roman Catholic Church, he says, goodness, even more than miracles, wins hearts for God. Goodness, even more than a miracle, can win hearts for God. Why? A, a miracle will happen, a day or two will go by, people forget it. But goodness, when you are good to everybody, when you are good to people around you, people will remember that. People will see the goodness that is in you and they will glorify God. They will see the goodness that you are doing in the face of evil and they will glorify God. How many of us, when we read the stories of the saints, we hear that what? The saint was being persecuted and they were praying and then many people saw it and what? And they believed in the Lord Christ because of the saint's suffering. Sometimes we're willing to do good as those around us are good to us. But again, like I said earlier, our Lord teaches us in all things, we must remain true to goodness. St. Paul says in Galatians, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. 
Let us not grow weary while doing good. Don't get tired of doing good. Why? When you do good, you shall reap if you do not lose heart. What are you going to reap? You're going to reap, reap eternal life. You're going to reap those around you. You're going to win the souls of those around you. You're going to win the people around you. You're going to win your family. You're going to win your wife. You're going to win your husband. You're going to win your children. You're going to win your coworkers in your job. You're going to win your classmates in your school. Because goodness always overcomes evil. Anybody could be evil. Anybody could to return evil for evil. It takes a strong person to overcome evil with good. It takes a, who is stronger? For someone to hit me and hit them back? Or am I stronger if I'm able to restrain myself and bless them and pray for them? What is stronger? What is better? Goodness, of course. Anybody can hit back. Anybody can curse back. Anybody can return evil for evil. But it takes a righteous person, a good person, to return evil or good for evil. And like I said earlier, doing good deeds, doing the right thing, being good in the face of evil is a hallmark of Christianity. It is unique to us as Christians. And like I said earlier, if we're not doing it, nobody's doing it. If we're not overcoming evil with good, then I'm sorry to say, we might as well let the world perish. But we are called to be different. We are called by God to live a different life. And this is why he told us what? Narrow is the way that leads to life. It's not because for any other reason that no one's willing to do it. No one's willing to do the right thing. No one's willing, willing to do the good thing, to live the good life. To live the good life, to overcome evil with goodness. It's not easy. It's not easy to pray for those who, who talk bad about us. It's not easy to, to forgive my wife who, when she upsets me or forgive my husband when he does something wrong to me. It's not easy. But if we want to live a good life, we want to live a righteous life, to live a life of goodness, we must overcome evil with good. I'm not saying your spouses are evil, by the way. I'm just saying, giving you an example. So we said what? First, what? Goodness must be rooted in love. Two, goodness must always overcome evil. The last thing I want to say, goodness should lead us to repentance. Goodness should lead us to repentance. In the Igbeya of the third hour, we say this. In the litanies of the third hour, the treasury of good things and the life giver, life giver graciously come in us purifies from all defilement and a good one and save our souls. The treasury of good things come in us, dwell in us and purify us. In order for goodness to live inside of us, we must take out what? The evil that is in us. In order for us to be good, we must be purified. Anybody who wants to drink pure water, you're not going to get a dirty cup. You're not going to get a dirty bottle. Instead, you're going to make sure the bottle is clean, the, the bottle is pure, so you can put the pure water in it. In order for us to be good, we must be purified inside. In Romans 2.4, St. Paul says this, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Origen the scholar says this, he says, you can recognize the richness of God's kindness if you consider how many evils men do every day on earth. Almost everyone has fallen away and become worthless, traveling down the wide and broad way of perdition, ignoring the narrow road that leads to life. Yet God lets his sun shine daily on all of them and sends them rain, however much they may blaspheme him. Therefore, if anyone despises God's kindness and forbearance and patience, he does not know that he is being encouraged by these things to repent. 
you need to, in order to be good, you must repent. There's no goodness outside of repentance. You can't say, I am good, but like I said earlier, in, inside we are dead. Inside we are, we're not evil, but inside we are what? We're filled with sin. We're filled with hate. We're filled with hate, jealousy, and all these bad things towards our brethren. Instead, what? We must be purified inside. In order for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us, like the litany says, we must what? Come dwell in us, purify us. Come dwell and purify us. And we are purified through repentance. And it is through God's goodness alone that we are afforded another chance to Him. His Holiness Pope Shunud, again, he says this. He says, He does not just forgive the sinner, but goes after the sinner in order to come back to him, even if he did not want to. When we purify ourselves, when we ask God to fill us with his goodness, when we ask that God to, to make us good and to cultivate the fruit of goodness, it is, what, it is for us to be... You can't have it both ways. You can't be willing to be good and righteous and holy and all these things, but have a life of sin. It doesn't work that way. It's, orthodoxy is not a buffet. You can't just pick and choose what you want, what you don't want. It's a la carte. Meaning that you have to do these things in order to be good. People wonder why is confession, why is repentance, why is communion, why are all these things so important? Aren't they just, are they just rituals? No, there's more than that. It's a mystery. Something happens mysteriously that it's hard to describe. It happens inside of us and changes us. It makes us different. And it's hard to tell you what exactly it is. But when you do it, you realize. When ask anybody that sinned, that walks out of the confessional room, how they feel. Anybody that goes to a monastery or visits a holy site or goes somewhere, after they come back, they feel different. They feel changed. They feel good. Why? Because they were changed inside. It wasn't just appearance. I didn't just do it because my mom or dad told me. I didn't just do it because that's the right thing to do and that I don't know why I'm doing it. No, we must be changed on the inside. And it is through repentance that we are changed on the inside. As we said earlier, out of the good treasure of our heart, we bring forth good things. But the opposite is true. The opposite is true. If our hearts are filled with evil, if our hearts are filled with sin, if our hearts are filled with hatred, this will manifest itself to us, to others. You can't hide these things. We can't kid ourselves. If inside you're full of hatred and you try to put on a front or an act or a facade and you're fake, it is easily picked up on. Easily. I could say I love you till now, till I, till I die, every day of my life. But what am I doing to show you this love? What am I doing to show you that I have the love of God in me? Because the opposite is true. And we have to be aware of that. Don't just try to be, uh, uh, don't try to be fake. Don't try to put on an act. No. If you're full inside of sin, the sin will manifest itself. You must go to the priest. You must confess. You must repent. And this is where the goodness of God comes in. Because he gave us this gift. He gave us the gift of repentance. He gave us the gift to be good. But we must use this gift. We cannot be good outside of God's goodness, like I said earlier. You can't be good in a vacuum, in isolation. You must be good because God gives you his goodness. And God gives us his goodness through the sacraments of the church, one of whom is repentance and confession. It is through repentance that our hearts are cleansed and removed of all the junk, and gives place a treasure, gives a place for the treasure of goodness to dwell. Again, if I bring you a treasure box and I fill it with garbage on the bottom, 
and I leave a few gold coins or gold on top, very easily you'll take one or two pieces of gold and you'll find the garbage underneath. But this is not what we have to do. We have to imagine our hearts as a box, a treasure box. In order for me to be filled with goodness, I must empty out what is bad, what is evil, what is sin. And I must be filled with the goodness of God. I must cultivate goodness. Anybody that plants any bush or any, any tree, he must dig well. He must, like, like the parable of the sower teaches us, it must be what? Good ground in order for it to take root. In order for goodness to take root in us, in order for goodness to come in us and be in us, we must empty ourselves from all evil, all defilements. We must be purified by the Holy Spirit. And that happens through repentance. And it is because God is good to us that we are able to repent. And because God gave us this gift of goodness. So like we said, just to summarize what we said, we said what? One, our goodness eh, must be rooted in huh? love. Our goodness must be rooted in love. We want good must always what? Overcome evil. Good must always overcome evil. I know everyone's tired, a long week, school, work, everything. Try to wake up. We're almost done. And lastly, what? Goodness should lead us to repentance. There's no repentance, there's no goodness without repentance. We can't be good if we are filled with evil. We can't be good if we are filled with sin. Goodness leads us to repentance. And like I said earlier, goodness, unfortunately, is subjective, but we must remain true to God. We must remain true to the goodness of God. And it's through the goodness of God that we are taught how to be good. And that in the face of everybody in the world, in the face of society, in the face of your coworkers, your classmates, you must remain true to God. Don't compromise on this. Goodness comes from God. He is the source of all goodness. And like St. Cyril said earlier, his nature is all good. We cannot change who God is. And God is good, like we said, all the time, all the time, God is good. You believe this, that God is good all the time? If you have a problem with this statement, you have to talk to me after one of the fathers. Actually, don't talk to me. Talk to Abuna Mark or Abuna Muros. But God is good. I don't want anyone to think that God is punishing them. If you face a hardship, yes, it's, many, it's multifaceted. It's not as cut and dry. But I promise you, God loves us. He's all good. And we have to be like him. We have to be good in the face of any evil, in the face of any hardship, in the face of any hatred. We are called to be good. It is not something you turn on and off. You are good all the time, just as God is good all the time. Again, I thank my fathers, uh, uh, the fathers of the church here, for allowing me to speak in their presence and speaking to speak to you. And we ask and pray that the intercession, through the intercession of St. Mary, that God may give us a spiritual revival during, during these two weeks, that God may give us the ability to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit within us, that we, may all, we all may live a life of goodness, a life that glorifies God, a life that is based on the love and goodness of God, and to him be the glory now and forever to eat of all ages. Amen.